from the former convent of the Good Shepherd overlooking Inwood Hill Park in New York City, welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air, where you meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home what we affectionately call Upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims, and today we welcome visual artist Carol Diamond. Carol Diamond's engagement and entanglement with urban landscape has traveled with her through the various neighborhoods of Brooklyn and Manhattan, developing a lifelong passion for urban forms, spaces, and architecture. Born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio, Carol received a BFA in painting from Cornell University and studied at the New York Studio School. She's a tenured adjunct professor at Pratt Institute and teaches graphic design at CUNY's City College of Technology. Recent shows include Equity Gallery, Newbury Fine Arts, Boston, and the Zercher Salon, and here in May in 2022. Her artwork is included in public and private collections, including the Portland Oregon Museum of Art. Diamond was awarded a purchase prize from the Academy, the American Academy of Arts and Letters Invitational Exhibition, a Pratt Institute Professional Development Grant, and the National Academy Museum's Edwin Palmer Prize. Her work has been featured in Hyperallergetic, too Much Art, and the Manhattan Times, among many others. Her art writing and reviews are published in Art Critical, Painters on Painting, Two Coats of Paint, and Delicious Lime. We're going to talk to her about her work and so much more, but first, let me welcome you, Carol, to In What Artworks On Air. It's great to see you. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Aaron. It's my pleasure. So, how are you? What's been going on with you these past two years in isolation in your painting Dickensian workshop, if you will? <laughs> Nice way of putting it, Dickensian workshop. Um, well, as we were talking about before, just being up here in Inwood, everybody being in their solitary states during COVID, artists who do, do work at home, like I do, who didn't have to miss the opportunity to get to their studios, um, were, it, it, was, it was a good time while everything was such a bad time. I mean, there was calling it the silver lining, but it was very hermetic, was a little Dickensian, because um, I was, have been launching into sculpture for the last few years, and this was like, okay, I don't have a lot else to do now. I did a lot of Zoom teaching, sitting at the computer, but um, but getting to know Inwood more, a lot of walks, a lot of um, soul-searching, um, very, very difficult, pivoting from the teaching, just jumping right into online. That whole summer was like intense training for, you know, completely teaching online. Um, none of us teachers wanted desk jobs, you know, we don't want to sit at a cubicle, but it was very, very lucky that we were able to um, bring so many of our students back um, at Pratt and at City Tech. And um be there for them and have have the time in the studio and at home with my daughter and but now we're it's post covid sort of but sort of not so that's been uh, a challenge to um just very happy to be traveling back on the subway again doing my commute to Brooklyn and back with students but um now semester's ending so it's a time to be back in the neighborhood well i think the neighborhood's a great place to be and um you know, you've had a lifelong passion for urban spaces and architecture. So what a great place to be in Inwood. I mean, it's only natural, I think, you'd wind up in New York City, given your background and, yeah. and what you do and your art. Did you always want to live here uh, in, in, in the city? Because uh, it's a long way from Cleveland. Yes. <laughs> so I'm just like, it was, that's, that's the point. Because I'm from Ohio. I'm from Cincinnati. <laughs> right. And so it's right, a big right, jump. Right. 
Well, then, uh, when I interview you one day, I'll ask you about that, But or we can both talk about it. Um, yes, it was a kind of a lifelong dream because I always was an artist growing up, always hands into something, all kinds of crafts and weaving and pottery and, you know, school posters for plays and whatnot. Um, and so somewhere in high school, this New York City dream of coming to New York, you know. So then when I went to Cornell, that was upstate New York, uh, we took trips into the city, uh, my friends and I, and um, I came for a junior year. Um, instead of going abroad, I came to New York City based on a very um, important recommendation from a teacher who was a mentor um, back at Cornell. And I went to the New York Studio School, which I don't know how I would have ever discovered it, but it was a really um, New York School-based concept, open in the uh, uh, 60s, 60s, 70s. I was there in the early 80s. And so that was a very pivotal moment. But then I went back and graduated up in Ithaca and did some traveling and lived in Atlanta, Georgia, and whatnot. I was afraid to come right to New York and be the, the uh, I don't want to say starving, the struggling artist in New York. So I waited, did a bunch of other things, and came back in 1989 and have been here since then. And it is, it really is um, kind of a devotion to the city. You know, there's just, it's a relationship with an actual place. And the when when the Brooklyn scene really became active in Williamsburg, and I was living next to the Williamsburg Bridge, and I thought of Brooklyn as like, you take you peel off Manhattan. It's like the underbelly in a way. There's a lot of gritty stuff. I always loved Manhattan. That's why living here now, when I did move up to Manhattan, I thought, well, I didn't move to New York to be in Brooklyn. I moved to New York because of, you know, Fifth Avenue and the museums and Upper West Side, all the th- places I knew before, the village. Um, Brooklyn was like an extra, you know, to be part of that whole, you know, up, up, upbuilding of Brooklyn, all the different, and teaching out there, and it's just really wonderful. But the architecture, the construction and destruction, you know, there's the beautiful architecture of churches, and um, and I always have loved to draw in churches. Being up here with Fort Tryon Park, then you have uh, you have the cloisters and the stone stairways, and the, um, so it's sort of more sentimental and back to, uh, to a nature concept of the big rocks and then the stone stairways. and But then the construction sites, I, I'm not so out there as I used to be, but I did a lot of painting on the roof of the my building uh, looking over the Williamsburg Bridge. I worked in the Brooklyn Navy Yard. That was a wonderful place to, you know, the felt like a lot of the history of New York is in the architecture. Yeah, you're kind of leading me right into a really good question, I think, and also a comment, too, on your work for those getting more into your work itself is that, you know, your newest work is predominantly multimedia, encompassing, you know, found materials, assemblage sculpture, mm-hmm. um, abstract painting, plain air, drawing of architectural sites, as you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um and I've read somewhere else too. Is like your impulse for your work is driven by quote the tension and tumult of urban life, which is kind of what you just said to me in a way. Is that you know there's this give and take this relationship um, with New York and the grit um, yeah. and the glamour uh, and why people want to move here and the passion mm-hmm. uh, that you possess inside of you for um, being a part of the energy of the city. So can you describe a little bit what appeals to you now 
uh, about using the found materials to explore a sense of conflict in your work, that sense of conflict. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank you. Well, it, um, I, I follow where the work goes. That's always been was the way I learned. And um, so, so I thought I was going to be a plein air painter because I always loved that. Uh, and when urban landscape became what I really enjoyed, I thought, I could never wear this out. Um, and looking at buildings, structure, space, and just emotion just came through in the process of painting for me. I didn't think I'm going to make a painting about, you know, my childhood or my fears or my passions. I just like what I see and I go after it. And, and it, it was a personal experience in, in that. And people seem to feel that too. But then it kind of became where I sort of figured out how to do it. I was doing these urban landscapes and I, uh, this was in the 90s and still life also. And I got very comfortable with it. And I had some people who were talking to me about abstract ideas and I thought I just need to go into the studio and just kind of hunker down in the studio look at those white canvases see what happens in that process so so when I didn't really want to be chasing around landscapes you know like because it was really more about the search so so all the, so in 2000 I started abstract work and I brought back a lot of my ideas through cubism and modernism and a lot of scraping and layering so it wasn't urban as much then because a lot of figure ideas were coming through more in the physicality of making the work not pictures of figures but shapes and and textures and um uh I had gone from doing the urban work which was very related to vertical horizontal very kind of a geometric space and then everything became very uh, elliptical and a lot of curves a lot of moves um, but I could see within not too long that I was missing drawing uh, plein air I was really missing something that was happening in um, in the seeing process so I started to just go back to drawing just for drawing I was living in um, Greenpoint in Ridgewood at that point there was a, a Catholic church there, um, St. Alicia's, and I just went in and started to draw architecture again. And there was like the dome and and the um the dome, the spheres, the stained glass. Um so that was a very kind of sanctified space, but got me back to drawing plein air and those kind then I started to pick up some glass from the street, um some different I don't know, I had some some death in my family and close death in my life. And I don't know, it was a very tumultuous time internally. And here I find myself picking up pieces of glass from the street. I'm like that lady, you know, sweeping Mm -hmm. and scattering it into my paint. I stopped using color. I was doing all black and white kind of abstraction. But anyway, some architectural figments or fragments were coming back in more angles, more spaces, looking through things, kind of abstract architecture, but still drawing. And um, so then um, I just kept picking up stuff from the street, and I really love glass and metal. And I just felt a kind of a attachment to the material, and you know the glistening light on the on the colored glass and all of that, and doing some of the stained glass, looking in churches. I had a nice show when I first moved here to Inwood at the Hebrew Tabernacle at Goldwing Gallery with um with uh, Regina Gradas, and She's that was amazing. so great. And I kind of spun some of the more spiritual side of my work from that. Um, and then I just kept picking up a lot of stuff that ended up getting bigger things that I was picking up. Um, and my boyfriend would you know 
pick up, oh, would you like this scrap metal? Um, like from the metal shop at the opera house, you know. And I said, honey, I'm not making sculpture. I'm just putting these things into my canvases. I was using cement, like a wet cement on wood panels and putting things in. Anyway, they started to grow three-dimensional. And then they just came out. And, and COVID, the tactile part of it, like when you make sculpture, you get to touch your art. And I, as, as much as I love the paint knife and the brush, there was something detached uh, somehow. And, and, but I really do consider the sculptures um, drawing and painting in space because I'm trained as a drawer, painter, not as a sculptor. I use a lot of color in the, in the pieces and they're fun, you know? I love what everything you just said. What, what a great gift to insight your process because uh, I, some people get such, I think some artists get in their own way sometimes in the, within their own processes, processes, if you will, mm -hmm. about what do they incorporate? Like mm -hmm. what, like, do they have to choose? Sometimes it chooses you. Sometimes you comes across, um, someone gives you something, hey, a gift of some kind. Uh, and it's, you know, there's always a question about like what inspires you. Um, but that's like a daily question, I think, in many mm -hmm. ways. And, and what you said, I really appreciate your openness of saying, you know, the glass came from personal tragedy in your life and mm -hmm. that began a, a, a relationship with that. Um, and so, uh, shattered and, and, and yeah, it's shattered. And also, um, I guess, can you speak a little bit about, do you think, would you say your work, not all of it, of course, but times like when you have an idea or when you come across, when you're sweeping up the crazy lady sweeping up glass in front of the streets, like, do you have an idea what you're looking for? Or is it, or is it something that, you know, you're patrolling for, or is it like, uh, to to fit you know the metaphorical potential of materials you come across and um or is it something you just you have to just be open to and 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 stumble upon yeah yeah um it isn't so much intentional but i do find it might just seem so banal but the flattened cans from all the soda cans from when the street sweepers come through it's metal it's really usable metal um i i went from making like assemblages where it's really putting two or three pieces together that that weigh nicely against each other and have a little metaphoric feeling. But now it's really more just the materials that I'm using to make these things. Um, so, so, so it's color. So the flattened cans are all about the color. And they're flattened. I kind of open them up and then I have a new series going where I'm really just modeling and forming the metal because very pliable. Um, and they're almost kind of creatures or figural or something, but the color is really, um, I was having this long period of doing very tonal painting, black, white, gray. I love it. I could do that forever. But, you know, people love color. I started to feel more color coming back in my life. I did a lot of collage work with some photographs. I It was one day I was getting tired of picking up stuff off the street. I said, but I need some inspiration from the street. So I um, started taking photos and using just odd text and odd bits from the street photos and um, putting them into collages and then kind of riffing off of that. But so it was a way with the cans and the glass really to find a new sense of color in my work because I just, I don't understand color that well. And it's just so luminous and beautiful. So some of um, um, my pieces now I'll just um, I'll put all the blue the blue and green cans in in one area I color separate them mm -hmm. now um, and uh, so I have like a purple piece going and a red I have in this show um, at Zercher there's a um, 
kind of looks like a stained glass window because it was a, a metal armature of some sort and I put put all the red and purple glass in it. Red metal cans, purple glass, um and they're like fines. These are sculptures, right? Yeah, 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 they're sculptures. This one hangs on the wall, but it is protruding. The others are freestanding. Um but some some go on the wall now. And yeah, they're like treasures a little bit when I find these things. And they're also there's a drama to them. Um like something happened here. So how did this bottle get broken? Was this a fight? Was this, you know, so it, there, you know, I've been known to take, you know, that single boot that you find in the street, like, where's that other boot, you know, a sparkly one I got, it's like, something happened here, you know, and I don't know the story. But it, since I'm a very abstract artist, it does bring a, a bit of metaphor and narrative even into the work. I love the mystery in your work. I think it's fantastic. Thank you so um, much. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, you teach as well as create. Mm-hmm. Um, how has teaching emerging artists affected the development of your own work? Um, I remember seeing somebody who I know is an artist in the parking lot at Pratt many years ago, and I was learning how to draw perspective drawing because I had to learn all this to teach it. We didn't learn perspective drawing. Um, I, even though we used a lot of deep space from from French, from the Renaissance, all of it, but we didn't learn. Like at Pratt, the drawing course that I teach is um, is not for just for fine artists. It's for all of our um, applied arts, um, fashion, industrial design, co- commercial design, all of that. So, you know, we teach a pretty technical rigorous course but a lot of figure drawing a lot of um a lot of the things I learned but then other things that I've learned since and so this guy in the parking lot I said you know I think that my teaching is really coming back into my own work I'm doing drawings and I'm using vanishing points you know stuff that I would have he said got to be careful for that got to be careful you know you don't keep them separate keep and I you know I took note of that um the teachers that I loved the most, we didn't go to all of their gallery shows. They were with us as as teachers. Um, but their their values, their you know, come to find out their their approaches were very much in our teaching. But I'm not teaching painting majors. I do teach at a, a foundation level, so it's it's really the toolbox, you know. So yes, it definitely keeps me in the world of of drawing and creating. And and unfortunately, there's a little vicarious stuff that happens because on the all those many days and weeks where I'm not working on my own work but at the end of the day I feel like I feel like I made something you know and I even scroll through the pictures that I take of all the student work they're very impressive and I'm proud of of what they do and we had our final critiques yesterday and this week just there's the pleasure of saying bye-bye, have a great summer. And then there's the, like, wow, you, you did it. You know, you, d- you made such great progress. And they're, they're wonderful students. So it d- doesn't d- always directly uh, affect my own work. But it is a life of, of giving back something that I've learned that I feel solid about. Oh, now you're going to have time this summer to be you. Uh, <laughs> so what's next for you? Anything on the burner that you're looking to embark on? Any kind of bucket list project or just something that you're an avenue you're willing to explore mm. this summer? Now you have time for you. Anything coming up? Yes, thank you. Um, well, yes, work. Doing my own work. Um, and I haven't done... Um, 
I used to say, like with raising my daughter for all these years, um, I don't work that much, but I always have new things going on. You know, there's always something in the works. Um, but those days of like long studio days, especially painting from a motif, like a landscape, uh, it it's, is like a job. You get in there and uh, until the sun goes down, you're there. So these works are much more inspirational based. Like I could stare at the at the pieces around my studio, you know, for hours and days. And um, it, it's not an automatic that something is going to happen unless, you know, I'll, I've always find ways to keep working, but um, it's a little more once I see something that has to happen, then all the cement comes out, all the materials are pretty intense. So, um, so it's very fast and furious. Um, well, my partner uh, has a little place in the country and we're starting to get the kind of a studio area set up for me a little bit outdoor indoor right now but we um had had a guy come over who does some building for him and um for glenn and we're gonna make a studio i don't know if that's all gonna happen this summer but but that's i don't need i don't need any big trips you were saying about yeah. little road trips i just want some quiet time right. get to the country house get some get my hands hey. dirty Making a place to make art is just as big a project as making it art. It sure is. It sure <laughs> so is. good for you. Yeah. I think it's wonderful and use it as a platform to create more. For sure. Well, for Carol, sure. it's been a pleasure speaking with you. But before we say goodbye, where can I send people to find out more about your current and forthcoming projects? Oh, thank you, of course. Well, uh, caroldiamond.com is my uh, website. And I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Um, I'd love on Facebook to show shows that I get to see that some other people don't get to see. So sometimes I'm posting um, new art that I'm looking at and artists that I support. Uh, of course, my own things. Um, uh, this month in May is this Searcher Salon on Bleecker Street. Um, some things in the works for the fall, but definitely social media. And uh, awesome. and my Inwood studio, once in a while, I, I can do studio visits also. Well, but you're one of our favorite local visual artists, Yay. and we look forward to seeing more great work from you. Oh, thank you, Aaron. You've been such a um, such an inspiration in the neighborhood when I moved up here. And it's like, okay, I love it. I love the park. It's amazing. Um, and then when I when I met you, um, or someone tipped me off about you, Imelda uh -oh. O'Reilly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She told me something. Um, <laughs> I was very happy to uh, see all the things that you're doing and participate. Well, thank you very much. And thank you. We'll look for more opportunities in the future for you. Uh, so listeners, you'll be able to find her website in the description of this episode so you can find more about Carol's work. So thanks again, Carol, for joining me on this Artist Spotlight episode of In What Artworks On Air. It's where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home here in Upper Manhattan. If you have a moment, please show us some love right now by rating and reviewing this podcast on Apple Podcasts. It really helps. Many thanks to Church of the Good Shepherd here in Inwood, New York City for hosting us, and to Hidesites.com for uptown promotional support. You can support On Air and all of our programming at Inwood Artworks by making a tax-free donation at inwoodartworks.nyc backslash donate. Be sure to follow us on social media at Inwood Artworks to keep up to all that we do, including the Inwood Film Festival, Filmworks Al Fresco, Pop Art Galleries, Live Performances, and so much more. Inwood Artworks is proud to be supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with City Council. From the top of Manhattan and the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Aaron Sims from Inwood Artworks On Air. <laughs>